This morning, we, we come to verses 18 and 19 in Colossians 3, and everything that we've studied up to this point in chapter 3 has been needed preparation for what we are going to study together this morning. And Lord willing, in the coming weeks, as we look at verses 3 through 8, uh, three, chapter 3, verse 18, through verse 1 of chapter 4, they all kind of belong together because they're about relationships. It begins with family relationships, with a husband and a wife, and moves to the parent and the child, and then outside the home to the worker and the employer or the boss. These are everyday, real-life challenges, relationships. Specifically, we're going to take a look at marriage, at the marriage relationship this morning. But in the weeks ahead, we're also going to see parents and children and workers and bosses addressed, but they, they kind of all go together, the same idea, and we're going to address some of those thoughts this morning. But specifically this morning, we're going to look at the marriage relationship. But as we prepare to look at the marriage relationship today, I want you to know that if you are not married, this is not your opportunity to tune out. This is for everyone. As a matter of fact, there's something here for all of us, married or not. There's something here for all of us because the marriage relationship is an earthly illustration for us of the church's relationship to Christ. This passage is directed to husbands, yes, and wives, yes, that's true. But there's a bigger picture here. There's a picture here of the relationship of the church to Christ and Christ to the church. The marriage relationship and how husband and wife relate to one another and the relationship of the church to Christ and their similarities of relationship are clear in another passage that is parallel to our Colossians passage, very closely related to our Colossians passage, is Ephesians chapter 5. And because I want all of us to see this, I want you to turn there with me this morning. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin there. Spend just a moment. I want to show you the, the relationship of the, of the marriage relationship of husband and wife, to the, to the relationship of church to Christ and believer to Christ. There are close similarities here. Ephesians chapter 5. Now let's look at verses, uh, begin with verse 22 with me, would you please? And let's read through verse 30, 33. Just follow along with me as I read. Ephesians five twenty-two. Wives, submit to your own husbands as, is, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves himself, pardon me, he who loves his wife loves himself, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes 
and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now you see, in in some of the language there that Paul uses, the, the similarities of the marriage relationship to the relationship between Christ and the church, the the marriage relationship on earth is very much an illustration of the relationship of Christ to his church, his bride. The church and believers are the bride of Christ. And as we prepare to look at our Colossians passage this morning, I want you to remember a few things. Let me just point some things out to you that you need to think about, everyone needs to think about as we look at this passage that refers to husbands and wives, but truly is a great earthly illustration about how all of us relate to Christ and how Christ relates to us as believers. First of all, Christ is the head of the church. Christ is our sacrifice. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. And every believer is in this sense a bride, a wife to Christ. Gentlemen, You may not like this language too much, but it's very true of you if you're a follower of Christ. You are a wife to Christ. Ladies, you are a wife to Christ. Young people and children, you are a wife to Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, you are his bride. And every believer is in that sense a bride, a wife to Christ. And Christ is the head, listen, Christ is the head of that relationship. Jesus Christ is the head of that relationship. And Jesus is the loving sacrifice for his bride. And just as Jesus is the loving sacrifice for his bride, so the husband is to be the loving sacrifice for his bride. And likewise, as a parent, or as an employer, or as someone who may be responsible for others in the workplace or in some other situation where you're responsible, people report to you, You are to love them as Christ loves the church. As a supervisor, as a parent, as a person who's responsible for others, who have others report to you, you are, a, you are to love them as Christ loves the church. Remember, he willingly gave his life for his church, for his bride. And this is true for the church as well. You might be in this situation this morning. You might be saying, well, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a spouse anymore. I don't have a, a marriage partner. Uh, I'm, I'm single. Or, or and my parents are no longer living. I don't have uh, them to give respect and honor to any, any longer. Um, who, do I, who do I report to, really? Well, you know, in the larger aspect, there are authorities over you. There are authorities over us all, who are we, we are to submit to. And if you're in the church, you're to submit to the church leadership. God has ordained church leadership whom you are to submit to. And so there's this picture of those whom you are supposed to submit to, but you are also, if you are one of the leaders in this church, if you're a deacon... As your pastor, as your deacons, we are to love you as Christ loves the church. And as as the church, as the bride of Christ, all believers are to submit to our head, Christ. 
And we are to willingly yield to Christ our husband, our head. We are to willingly submit to his leadership, just like all believers are, are a bride of Christ, and as such are, are to willingly submit to Christ, so is the wife to submit to the husband. And as we live in this world, we are all likely at some point to be in a relationship where we must respectfully submit to an authority over us just as if we were submitting to Christ. And again, that's true in the church situation. If you're in this church, if you're a part of this fellowship of believers, you're to submit to the authority of those in the church. Not that we lord it over you, not that we are harsh and demanding and and, um, dictatorial, but... God does place authority in the church and leadership in the church, and those in the church are to submit to that leadership. And David Pallison puts it this way in his book, Seeing with New Eyes, all of us are called to major on submission within some relationships and to major on initiating love within others. All of us are called to major on submission within some relationships and to major on initiating love within others. You see, so all of us can see how the picture of the marriage relationship between husband and wife relates to us, even as individuals, even as single persons, even as those who who may not have a spouse. The marriage relationship where we have to give love to others, we are responsible to major on love in some relationships and loving and respecting others and then in submitting to others in other relationships. Now, with all of that in mind, let's look at the Colossians 3 passage. Let's go to verses 18 and 19 this morning. Verses 18 and 19, let's read them together. Look at, look at it with me. Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husband, to your husbands, excuse me. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Just read those two verses with our limited understanding of people and with what we have, uh, what we know about the, the many difficulties people experience in marriage relationships, and we know that this isn't always how things work, is it? This is not how things work. Hey, this is how they're supposed to work, but we know this isn't how they always work. I give you a personal illustration, which I hesitate to do, uh, speaking of this, because I'm, I fall so far short of where I should be as a husband, as a leader in my family. And God, it seems like he continually is working on me, and that's a good thing. But nonetheless, I use a personal illustration here because it's, it's been over 20 years, but I remember it very well. It was the second day of our honeymoon. We were so happy to be married. We were so happy to be together. But we were so happy. But there we were in the parking lot of a a humble grocery store in northern Indiana, Amish country, sitting in our little blue Honda Civic. Just one day into our honeymoon, we were so happy to be together. But we were so broke. And so thus we were in northern Indiana in Amish country for our honeymoon, very close to home for a couple of days. But we were so happy to finally be together forever. And there we were sitting in, in this parking lot of this little humble grocery store, sitting in our little blue Honda Civic, arguing. Arguing. Here's why. You know, money was tight. 
hence our honeymoon in northern Indiana. I was prideful, very proud, and very cheap at the time. And didn't want to spend the money for an Amish buggy ride around the local tourist attraction. One big thing in my mind was that I was very proud and I didn't want to be seen on that Amish buggy. I didn't tell Carolyn that at the time. But I stood on principle. This is too expensive. We hardly have any money. This is, you know, let's do something that's worth it. Carolyn, on the other hand, wanted another romantic memory to add to our short honeymoon. How foolish I was. But here we were, two people, so happy, so happy to be together, and yet still very self-centered. The bottom line, we have problems. We all have problems. When it comes to marriage and the marriage relationship, and when it comes to relationships in general, we have problems. And here's what our problems look like. Specifically, here's what they look like for husbands. For husbands, they are inclined to be harsh. Husbands are inclined to be frustrated and resentful towards wives, and they are inclined to be abusive in word or action toward them and to to neglect their needs and to take them for granted. Unless you say, hold on, wait a minute, that's not me. Why else would Paul remind a husband not to be harsh with their wife? Why else would he would First uh, Peter would Peter call on husbands to remember in First Peter three seven that the wife is the weaker vessel? Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Why else would we have this admonition? Why else would we have this challenge? We have problems. The husband hears all of that and still says, what do you mean, love my wife? Of course I love my wife. What do you mean, look out for her and meet her needs? I bring home a paycheck. I make sure the oil is changed in the car. I don't make her do that. I'm I'm not meeting her needs. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm meeting her needs. Of course she knows I love her. I changed the oil in the car. We have problems. And here's what our problems look like for wives. Wives are inclined to be argumentative and quarrelsome, usually challenging and contending for recognition. Why else would Peter remind wives, 1 Peter 3.1? Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. Without a word. By the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adornment be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold, jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Now, there's nothing wrong with the external, but that's where wives are not supposed to major on winning their husbands. They're supposed to major on letting their adorning be the hidden person, verse 4. The hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Hey, we have a problem. We have many problems. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the marriage relationship and when it comes to relationships in general, we have a problem. And often the problem looks like this. The husband says, what do you mean, love my wife? Of course I love her. I do love her. But... 
but I'd love her even more and care for her concerns even more if she weren't so argumentative and I'd care about what she needs if she'd just give me some respect and submit like she's supposed to. Right? And the wife says, wait a minute, submit. Why do I have to submit when he doesn't even care about my wishes, concerns, or needs? He could, he could possibly, how could he possibly care? And how could I possibly submit to someone who so obviously only cares about himself and his doggone remote control? The wife says, submit. You're kidding me. As if submit were a dirty word. We have problems. But I'm done talking about our problems. Because I want to talk about the solutions, God's solutions. So for the rest of our time together, let's look at our, first of all, I want to talk about our individual responsibilities because we have individual responsibilities. And then I want to talk about the solutions, God's solutions to our problems. Let me emphasize here the importance of realizing that we each have individual responsibilities. This is so critical that we understand this. What you will not find here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 are any clauses or exceptions. Paul tells individual believers that their individual responsibilities are, are, are their own. Listen, husbands have responsibilities to their wives, and wives have responsibilities to their husbands. And Paul tells individual believers that their individual responsibilities are, and these responsibilities are to be carried out as service to Christ, because that's what it is. You serve Christ in this way, without any regard to whether the other person is doing their part or not. Without any regard to what, whether or not the other person is doing their part. Remember back in verse 17 it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, everything. We all need to remember this as we continue this morning. We have individual responsibilities. We are individually responsible to do what is right every time, no matter what the other person does. There are no clauses. There are no exceptions. We are individually responsible to God, aren't we? Colossians 3.18, one more time. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Submit, really? Submit. I don't like that word. Submit. That's such a controversial command in our day. You know, that it's been a controversial command for a long time. Evidently, there were those who struggled with this in Colossae. Otherwise, Paul may not, not have needed to address it. Submit. And this is our service to Christ. But submission is such a dirty word these days, isn't it? Society has made that word to be such a dirty word. How dare you suggest that as a wife I'm to submit to my husband? Ray Steadman says this, the word submit has become the focus of the feminist movement. He wrote this in the 70s, I think, early 70s. Ray Steadman is gone now. He's with the Lord. But he wrote, the word submit has become the focus of the feminist movement and is probably the most hated word among women today. Probably still is. Um, those, for those who deny the authority of the scriptures, I think. And he says, the meaning has been grossly distorted 
Many wrong things have been done in the name of submission. Perhaps the first thing that needs to be said about submission is that it does not cancel out equality. Although it is addressed here to wives, it is not a female word in the Bible, but is addressed to men as well. Thus, it is not a sexist word. Everyone must submit to other people. In Ephesians, Paul says Christians are to submit to one another. The outstanding manifestation of true submission, of course, is seen in our Lord's submitting of himself to the Father. And we're going to see this tonight as we gather around for the Lord's Supper, as we commemorate the Lord's death on our behalf. He submitted to the Father. And this is a powerful statement by Ray Stedman. He says, listen to this closely, no one would ever conceive of the idea that Jesus found it a reproach to submit to the Father. He delighted in it. It was voluntary on his part. In no way did he regard it as a threat to the equality which he knew existed between himself and the Father. Therefore, to submit to someone does not mean you are not equal. This is the confusing meaning which the world has poured into this word. Submission does not mean inequality. Literally, it means put yourself under, arrange yourself under someone for a good and proper purpose. It is a totally voluntary action. Talk to the men for a moment. Um, anybody ever claim a life verse? You know, find a verse in Scripture and say, that's my verse. I'm going I'm to memorize that. That's my verse. It's going to help me direct my thoughts and my actions, and this is my life. Colossians 3.18 is not that verse. Okay, guys? This is for your wives. This is not your life verse, men. <laughs> this is not your life verse. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. You know, This is not your life verse. Choose a different one. <laughs> that's, that's my suggestion. But, ladies, it is fitting that, that you take to heart this passage and lovingly support and respect and delight in the fact that you are to willingly yield to the leadership of your, fam- the, your, your family to the husband. You are to willingly and joyfully submit to the authority that God placed in your home. This does not mean, this does not mean that you have to become a doormat. And men, this is not for you to hold over the head of your wife. I'll love when you submit. Or wives, I'll submit when you love. This is not for you to hold over the heads of one another. This is your own personal responsibility to live. There is so much that I could say here. I need to keep moving. But I want you to know that men have no right. Men, you have no right to use this against your wives. You submit, and I'll love. You do what the Bible says. You forget about what the Bible says about what your wife is supposed to do. You better remember what the Bible says, what you're supposed to do, gentlemen, all right? And I'm speaking to myself here, too. I need this as much as the next guy. Husbands are to love their wives. They are not to force submission Wives, if your husband is expecting you to do something that is illegal, okay, or is dangerous for your family, it does not mean that you submit to this. But you need to submit to his leadership. 
and his authority. You need to pray for him that he will be a man who leads biblically. Like I said, I could go and go and go on this, but I need to keep going here because I want to talk to husbands about verse 19. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, what does it look like for a husband to to truly love his wife? Husbands and wives, this verse is, again, wives, this is not your life verse, okay, ladies? (laughs) This is not your life verse. Gentlemen, this is a verse you need to take to heart. Husbands, as the spiritual head of the home, you are to set the example. You are to be a true servant. You are to give up your own desires to meet the needs and the desires of the family. Unless that sounds like that would not be very fun, I would argue with that. Because what God commands is always what's best. And when you begin to love your family in this way, you will find that you have great joy as you follow God's design. You are the spiritual head in the home. Whether or not your wife submits is beside the point. You are to spiritually lead. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 helps here as it says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and and their great ones exercise authority over them. I see this as something that's very harsh and demanding and even... um, Abusive, maybe. But verse 26, It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Gentlemen, Jesus Christ is your model. Serve as he served. Become the servant leader in your home. Husbands, love your wives by serving them, by looking out for their interests as more important than your own, just as you would if you were serving Christ because you are. Gentlemen, you are serving Christ in your family. Serve Christ. Serve your family and love your wife. This means that no matter what your wife does, you love her and you seek to win her respect by submitting to Christ by loving your wife. You include her in the decision-making for your family and you do not lord over her your leadership in the home. And on this I could go on and on. But David Pallison also writes again, saying this, Wives, how are you respectful to your husband? How will you actively learn to pursue honoring your husband rather than nagging him, ignoring him, resentfully going along with him, or despising him? Husbands, how are you self-sacrificing, constructive, initiating, and constant in love toward your wife? How will you learn to actively pursue her well-being rather than neglecting her, being preoccupied or getting irritated? I need help. Is that your thought right now? I need help. What do I do now? Because you've reminded me that I have problems. Now you might be realizing about now that you need help and you can't do this on your own. 
and this may not be in you, you say, well, this is just not a part of me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And that's actually pretty good because that's right where the Lord wants you. He wants you to depend on Him, and He wants you to depend on His Word. And if you're a child of God, He wants you to depend on His Holy Spirit, which brings me to an important statement here that if you are not a child of God, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and confessed your sin, then you're never going to have a marriage relationship that, that glorifies God. You're never going to have relationships that bring honor to God or that are right. There's always going to be a, a very serious tension in your relationships. Because until you submit to Christ and His authority over your life, until you confess your sin and ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, your first act of submission, you cannot. You cannot have a marriage. You cannot have a relationship on earth that brings glory to God because your relationship to God is broken. So as you realize with me that we need help, remember, if you don't know Christ, you need Him. You need to today ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And today, tell Jesus that you believe in Him and that you want to be saved from your sin. The words are simple, but you've got to want that from the heart. God's solution to problems in your marriage. Here's some solutions from God's word that we need to apply to our marriages and to our relationships. First of all, commit as God's child to please the Lord in everything. Commit... As God's child, if you are a child of God, commit as God's child that you will please the Lord in everything. No matter what your spouse does, and this is true for parents and children and bosses and workers too, no matter what the other person does, you commit before God, you commit yourself to pleasing the Lord in everything. Colossians 1.10, remember back to Colossians 1.10 so long ago when we were there? so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do everything for God's glory, for His pleasure, no matter what the other person does. Number two, God's solution for your marriage, for your relationships, examine and judge your own failures. Examine your, your own heart, examine your own failures, examine and judge your own failures in a very biblical manner. No blame shifting allowed. Well, that is so easy to do. We're so quick to do that. I but, you know, he, he did this and I, you know, I would but, you know. That's the joy of parenting too. Why did you do that? Well, you know, because she did or he did or. No, sorry, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. Examine and judge your own failures in a biblical manner. No blame shifting. 1 Corinthians 11.28 says, Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Tonight, as we come to the Lord's table, I'm going to ask you to do this. To examine your own hearts. Not your neighbor's heart, not your wife's heart, not your child's heart. Individually, you are responsible to examine your own heart for sin that needs to be corrected and confessed of and repented of and turned from. Thirdly, 
confess your sin to the Lord and confess your marital shortcomings as sin to your spouse or in, in some other relationship where there's sin. Confess your sin to the Lord and go to that other person and confess that as sin to them and ask for their forgiveness, ask for God's forgiveness. Confess your sin to the Lord and confess your marital shortcomings as sin to your spouse. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. I need cleansing from time to time. Don't you? You need to confess to God and you need to confess to your spouse or you need to confess to the other person in that work relationship or that parent-child relationship, your wrongdoings, and get it right with them. No matter what they do, whether they accept your, your apology or not. Because God accepts your apology. Because God accepts your confession and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Fourthly, always see to building up your spouse biblically and do it as, as unto the Lord, as you're serving Christ. That is what you're doing. Other relationships, the parent-child, the workplace, whatever they all are, always see to building up the other person in the marriage relationship, the spouse, Always see to building up the spouse biblically and do it as unto the Lord. Romans fourteen nineteen says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. In Romans 15, 1, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And then number five, always, always seek to resolve conflicts and live at peace with your spouse and and other relationships. Always seek to resolve conflicts and live at peace in your relationships and in a marriage relationship with your spouse. If your spouse refuses to resolve problems biblically, continue to trust in Christ Jesus, your Lord, for your peace and your joy. You have got to trust Christ. You do, the, you do the right thing no matter what. Now, if you're struggling to practice this kind of love and submission, if you're, you know, if you're hearing me go through God's solutions and you're going, well, you know, I, I don't know where to start. Or maybe you're saying, yeah, 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 I know all that. I'm doing the best I can, you know. If you're struggling to practice this kind of love and submission, then let me challenge you to do two things this week. Two things. Memorize Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You don't even have to write it down. Just think Philippians 2, 3, 4, okay? Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Memorize those verses this week because you need to store up God's Word in your heart for a future, for, for a future reminding from the Holy Spirit. Store up God's Word in your heart for future reference because you need to do this Store up God's Word. Memorize Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. If you want a marriage relationship, if you want any other relationship to be Christ-honoring, start with a couple of things and do these this week. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is not going to be easy. This is going to be difficult but you need a reminder from the Holy Spirit to do what's right, no matter what. The second thing I want you to do this week is pray. Memorize the Word 
and pray specifically about your lack of love or submission and confess to God your shortcomings, asking specifically for his help and yielding to him in these areas of your life. You might be a worker in the workplace and you have find it very hard to submit to your employer, your boss. Ask for God's help and, and tell the Lord about your sin and ask him to help you do the right thing. You might be a wife who's having a hard time submitting to a harsh spouse, a harsh husband. Pray specifically about your lack of love, husbands. Pray specifically about your lack of submission, wives. And confess to God those shortcomings, asking specifically for His help in yielding to Him in those areas in your life. Specifically pray about your problems. Let's pray right now. And let's ask for His help as we head into the week ahead to live a life that's glorifying to Him. Pray with me. Oh Lord, as we come before You, realizing that we are, we are so quickly distracted from the truths of Your Word, realizing that we are going to leave this place today and we're going to face... Uh, the things that are on our agenda for the week and maybe different difficulties and hardships or decisions or responsibilities or a combination of all of those that we must face. And, and the, Satan would not want us to remember what we've talked about and studied this morning. So Lord, I pray, recall these things, your word, not my words, recall your word, please. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place that your truths would be recalled, that we would submit to you, that we would submit to your authority in our lives as the authority of your word over us. Help us to believe in and practice your word. And Father, I pray that in the week ahead that none of us would do anything out of rivalry or conceit. Lord, help us in humility to look at others as much more significant than we are. Lord, help us, each one, not only to look out for our own interests, we already do that naturally, but help us, oh Lord, to look out for the interests of others. Father, I I pray that as husbands here today, we would love our wives and look out for their interests as more important than our own. Father, I pray that as there are wives here, they would lovingly, willingly, submit to and respect their husbands and expect them to lead spiritually, wisely. Lord, help each one of us in each of our relationships, in those roles where we must show love, in those roles where we must submit. Give us your wisdom. We ask for your wisdom and strength today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.